Another episode of Not Your Average Operator with me, Paul Mellon McFadden. I'm here with my, my boys. We've got both of them today. How are you going there, Raph? I'm good, brother. I'm good, man. I'm just uh, I'm enjoying the uh, Pacific Northwest again after being down in Dallas for a little bit, hanging out yeah, with the uh, well, Star Yeah, yeah, it was good, man. It was a good. It was a fast week. Went down there for work, but then found some time with some of our mates down there, and they pro- they showed me a proper good time. So. But I, of course, I'm stoked to be home. You guys have both have, have had uh, little trips to the Republic of Texas. My brother used to live in uh, Fort Worth many years ago in the DHL freight. He loved it there. How are you going there, Mike? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, man. I'm glad uh, I heard some good stories coming out of the Tejas with uh, T.O. Raff there with uh, some mutual friends. And uh, yeah, if his voice sounds a little off, it's because he... Uh, he he part he he partook in some uh, s- some of the good tastes that Tejas ultimately brings. Uh, He's a big leave- gravelly, isn't he? His yeah, just gone down about three octaves. Yeah, I'll just we'll just leave it at that. You know, he knows how to <laughs> he knows how to open open it up. Dude, uh, listen, man, I was I was being treated with some delicious elixirs. Um, <laughs> and shout out to to our our boy Pat who got us into the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and I know that's sacrilegious for you, Mike, but got us into the Dallas Cowboys uh, club and man, and they make some amazing drinks. Amazing. Yeah, it is a very cool place. Uh, I'm not really threatened by the Cowboys. They have an extremely bad record this year and we're undefeated. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, shout out to, uh, to those guys. Cause it was a, it was a good time. So uh, I was, I was flying around today and I was just having one of those days. I know Ralph, you probably, just you have one of those days sort of routine still but just a beautiful beautiful flying day looking out and just one of those sweet times thinking man the eight-year-old melon inside me is pretty happy doing this today just wanted to share that with you boys how about you uh mike what have you been up to recently oh well lots of work and everything getting back into the uh getting back into the cycle but everything turned out really really cool man we had some training going on Proudly uh, had the uh, area police scanners going off at night uh, because they thought there was a massive uh, firefight breaking out in the local area, which was just really good training. So that was kind of entertaining to see all the messages after being, you know, what is going on uh, past that. Uh, yesterday was my was my birthday. Nobody so, cares. All right, you know what? Never <laughs> forget it. You know, I, I guess once you break forty, no. You know, you just get sour and nobody gives a damn. So that's fine. You old bat. But anyway, I'm I'm enjoying life. It was my birthday. I had uh, lots of lots of people reaching out and just sending me some really good messages. Uh, a couple of my my good buddies, shout out to my buddy Wayne, um, sent out some really good uh, music. He plays with guitar, so it's kind of a tradition every year. Uh, they're twins and they're both musicians and one sends me the national anthem on his electric guitar that he always plays for me. And then um, the other one always uh, sends me like one of my favorite songs he plays on acoustic. And it's just like really cool to take three, four minutes out of their day to like send that to me. And I listen to it, you know, and it, it's just really cool. So overall, really, really good day. Did some climbing yesterday. Um, yeah, it was just I really enjoyed it, man. I'm 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 grateful to be 33. You know, it's one of those ages that I'm kind of surprised that hey, I even made it to this age. <laughs> you know, I can't imagine how you guys feel. You know, geez, but uh, you know, I feel good. Yeah, good for you, man. Yeah, good. We uh we kicked off um rugby training here for for the kids on on the weekend. So first session back, coaching the the little the little men and little girls charging around with the ball. All still socially distancing and all that sort of stuff, of course. But uh, it's happy to have those moments where you sort of can pause and reflect and see some uh, some happiness on people's faces. All I right. Just, so I just uh, have a question. I have a quick. How do you social distance while playing rugby? So we did uh, this one with Oz uh, with tag. So you have like a Velcro belt on and two ta- a tag on each hip. So we 
you go out there and you literally grab the tag and that's where they've got to come back and play the ball at that position. So no, no tackling, no contact, no scrums, no line outs, but the, the running and passing part, you still do there, Raf. And we, uh, we like dunk the tags every, every 20 minutes, you drop, stop for a water and dunk the tags in a, in a disinfectant bucket and stick them back on your hips and hand sanitize. So I guess we're just so trying to do like, the best we can. Sounds like flag football. Sounds like you guys yeah. transitioned from rugby to flag football. Sounds like yeah, a bachelor or bachelorette. You should just dip each one of them, disinfecting every five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, my, the little guys there, they need to be disinfected, you know, like they need to be sprayed down, <laughs> sprayed down at the end of it, I reckon, before we send them home. But it's all good. <laughs> yeah. So episode 22. Wow, I can't believe we've gotten uh, this far. And we just, thanks to everyone for your time and uh, your support. We really appreciate it. Episode 22. Uh, as you saw in the show notes, what are your current or previous bad habits and, and what have you done or what did you do to, to break these habits? So a tough question uh, to pose and we're going to sort of throw it around and uh, see if we can't get, get some uh, good topics out there for you guys to think about. So I'm going to kick it off. Bad habits. It's not a, uh, I've got to say, <laughs> when the guys propose this question, it's, it's not something you immediately leap towards thinking that this is going to be awesome. You know, I'm going to get, I'm going to feel really good about myself. Because, you know, I think everyone has done, has had things that you do repeatedly that you, you feel is not you, you at your best. And that's sort of like the habit is the thing that's recurring, you know, and we all have bad, bad moments, but having one that you, you, a behavior that you repeat is something that you, you know, that like your mum or dad would not be happy with. Right. And um, definitely young melon with the drinking was, it was a, it was a bit of a problem for me. It was, it, I was in the army with a, a group of great mates when it was a lot of heavy drinking. It was pretty much, you know, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday and Monday. And there was a lot of fighting as well. And there was no one ever got really hurt, but it was, it was just an aggressive um, group an aggressive culture and um, a lot of drinking to excess. And I know I mentioned that previously about rivers of money flowing in and out. It certainly, uh, not good for the bank account, but having um, behavior, like I, I know that when I have behaved badly while drinking, I've done stuff that I'd never do sober and it's like a different person. And a few drinks is all fun and games, but after a certain point, it'd be like roll the dice. And if I sort of threw snake eyes, if I'd had, I don't know, 10, 15 drinks, they'd just be like this aggressive sort of side would come out and um, dumb and aggressive. And if you, I heard an old boy say once, if you won't, you know, if you won't fight when drinking, you won't fight. And that's, I think that's very true for a lot of men who have um, problems with it. So that was definitely something that I've been happy to sort of see the back of. And uh, it's not like I've, I've had, single single incidents that really rose up but it was just there was a side of, there was a side of me that i didn't like this aggressive sort of part of the software program had come out and it was never it was never positive like if there were if there were big negatives it was only ever happening with the presence of too much alcohol and you want to jump in there mike yeah it's quick question i mean i i, I think uh I mean, it's very hard with alcohol. I think that's very, very, very common among veterans just in general, but just anybody really. So I, I guess my question is, why why did you drink? Why did Melon at 24 drink versus Melon at 44 drink and and, and completely see the difference between the two? Well, def definitely there was a drinking for effect sort of culture that it was in with the, with the rugby teams and the army. Um, and, and, and in the air force as well, it was, you know, Friday would come around and it's, you're not having a good time until you've had sort of the first six drinks and you're not, you haven't even gone out yet sort of thing. And you're in a crowd where it's all sort of lionized that sort of, it's now described as a toxic male culture. You sort of hear that term where it was, it was, it was encouraged. It was how many could you get in and a night? 
I wasn't necessarily anything to do with anything positive. And I definitely just thinking like that the night has to have it. You know, it's, it's such a hard thing to avoid in the Western culture. It's the most common, um, commonly used, it's all, all around and definitely in, in the, in the male groups that I've been in, it's been like an expectation that, you know, you've been a bit of a pussy or whatever, the, whatever the phrase is. I don't know what the politically correct phrase is to use these days, but you're not a real man if you're not having a few drinks. And if you, if you say no, it's a strange thing. And anyway, so what I, what I started doing was um, getting my own drinks and I'd, I'd just get mixes that were like just soda, like just a diet Coke in a hob, in a glass. It looked like it was a Scotch and Coke and, um, I just sort of started thinking that this is, I get to a certain point and it's not, it, there's never anything good that happens after a certain point. I guess no, there's not an uplifting finale on the ski jump. It just goes downhill. And, um, I just don't do that anymore. I just, it's, it's a thing I, I far prefer to get up in the morning, not feeling terrible. Like an alcohol hangover is like the worst thing in the world. So like the next day is not that good either. And this is not to say that I'm not up for having fun and so on, but it's also, I think, recognizing when you've got some sort of a seed of there's something you're not that happy about. There's something you've, you've got some, some problem in your life that you're sort of chewing over, like a resentment or something, some negative feeling is then fueled by that um, excess alcohol intake. So it's it, that's when the snake eyes get thrown, when you've got those two things together, some sort of thing that you're carrying, you're not happy about, and then you have too many drinks and the self-control has been taken away. So I, th I think, so the next question I have is after you just saying what you said, how many times after you go out and drink like that, where you have problems in your life and everything else, yeah, you have a great hour, two, three, four, whatever at night, and then you wake up the next day, how much, how much further has it propelled you into a good, per, you know, trajectory? You know, you just, oh, yeah. you just spent all this money on yeah. stuff. You know, if you're, if you're buying at rounds for everybody, cause you wanted to whatever. So now you're down money, you wake up feeling like crap, your problems are still there waiting for you in the morning. And then it's just, you know, it's like that temporary fix and an excuse, you know, to, at least that's how I look at it. It's just like, this is a temporary thing. This is a filler. And ultimately there's not a lot of positives that are coming out than temporary relief. I'm not dealing with the problem. But yeah. I think Melon, Melon, you kind of alluded to, and I think you hit it right on the head where, you know, as especially as men in the military culture, I think we've always used alcohol as kind of that, um, it kind of lowers that inhibition and it kind of lowers the ability for us as men, especially as workmates, to talk about issues that we might otherwise make us feel uncomfortable. So you kind of medicate yourself to, you know I mean, like it's, it's one of those things where I'll always remember Historically, when I was younger, uh, when, when I was enlisted and then a young warrant, you know, I, I always said, well, you know, you drink because of peer pressure. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wanted to drink because I kind of had a similar thing. I, you know, I enjoyed the feeling. I enjoyed the shenanigans because I'm kind of a happy drunk. Like whenever I did find myself a couple throwing back a couple beers, I, I just tend to laugh a lot. You know, I, I tend to just see a lot of funny things that happen around. But um. Even there were times where even I just thought, oh, I'm just going to take it easy tonight, but then it doesn't happen because, you know, everyone, everyone's buying shots or whatever we did, both scenarios happening. But I think at the core of it, if you peel it back, I think a lot of times as, as young men, especially because there's that whole bravado that, you know, you got to be tough and you can't talk about anything that's significant. But I think that we still choose to go down that path because I think that's kind of how you bond, right? Like you, you go out, you, you do stupid crap together and you're like, oh, that's my brother because he's got my back. Um, it's kind of like a, it's like a false, it's a false wall. I, I don't know. It's, it's just, uh, there's a lot of fakeness behind it, but it takes a couple of years, hopefully without DUIs, without, you know, some of the negative effects that can really, really affect your life. And hopefully you, you've managed to get a couple of years down the road unscathed or like, again, without any significant harm that you start to realize like it's, it's a big fat lie. Like you don't need to drink 20 beers to, to get close to your mates. You don't, you don't have to medicate yourself to have these hard conversations. You just, you know what you need? You need gumption and you just, you need to, you need to have uh, courage. That's, 
that's exactly right, Raf. What we've just what you just touched on there that that is the key. I think that that in certainly the culture I was a part of, and um, you know, it, it was not okay for guys to talk about really important stuff, but there was an access that people get to it after having had a few drinks together, and that was like the only access. And so, having friendships like this one that we we share and these conversations we share, this is like a, an antidote to it in a lot of ways, and the the conversations are much more real. There's there's no negative attached to it. There is an uplifting element, of course, and you don't have all the uh, negatives, Mike. Yeah, I'd like to share a quick personal experience. So when when I was in in Tejas uh, with the same group that Raf was, we all went out to this uh, to this Mexican restaurant, and they're known for their margaritas. So I was like, you know what, man, I'm going to get a strawberry margarita. And it was like, you know, girly as hell, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's a pink fruity drink. But you know what? I was craving one just because it was hot. We were out like having a good time and I got it. And then my buddy takes a picture of me to make fun of me. And I literally looked at him and pulled my arms up like I could care less. Like I wanted one margarita and everybody's looking at me with, you know, the, the expectation, the view of, who I am, my job, you know, everything else is like, oh, you guys don't drink that, you know, who's doing it to be funny. I, he's my buddy, but at the same time, like I literally did not care about my image because like, I have nothing to prove to anybody. I wanted to get this to just relax and enjoy myself. I wasn't drinking to get drunk or anything. And it was just being social and it was just, you know, it wasn't the conversation piece because I can have fun without drinking at all you know, and, you know, it was just that whole thing of just like, go ahead, throw all the peer pressure you want. That's, that's not the reason I'm, I'm doing it. I'm just simply doing it to enjoy myself, to relax a little bit. And there was nothing else on the back end. I wasn't frustrated. I wasn't using it as a crutch, you know, and it was just that whole thing of like, what's the end state. It was, it was for a positive. It wasn't because I was hurting. It wasn't because I couldn't talk to people, you know? Well, you know, I think what makes the drinking piece insidious for someone who might have a problem with drinking, right? We're talking about the, you know, a, a bad or bad, um, like bad habits. Right. But drinking itself is not a bad habit. I mean, if you have a couple drinks at the end of the day or, you know, maybe like one day a week, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Especially if you're doing it with your partner or your wife or whoever, like maybe that's just like the way you bond. I mean, you're not going to do anything crazy. But it becomes insidious because kind of what like Melon was talking about. I think in the military culture, it's just part of the ritual, right? You're just socializing. Like it starts off as a socializing thing. I think it's important though that if you know that you're one of those individuals that just has no backstop, like you know that once that train take leaves the station, dude, there's no stopping. I think it's important that you one need to identify that within yourself and hopefully seek the help from your mates and just be like, look, man, don't let me get past three drinks because then you got to babysit me all night and, or I'll do something stupid and I'll, you know, I'll get arrested or whatever, man. And then it just, it makes everybody look like, looks like fools. And um, so, it, but that's why it's insidious because it's just kind of a, like you said, you just, you just want to have a margarita. You want to enjoy it. Um, but it's, you know, we have friends and we've also ourselves have been in those situations where there was no backstop. The, the point I was making was that it's not, it, and I agree with what you're saying. It's not the quantity. It's it's when there's been a bad outcome and then doing it again. You know, like having an incident where you're like, man, I was freaking, that wasn't a good night and I don't feel good and I wish I wish that that hadn't happened. And then like a week, it, you know, I'm not saying daily drinking. I'm like a week later, a month later, you do the same thing. That's, that's the thing I'm referring to. That's how I took this question, you know, and it's not like I've never had... DUIs, I've never had health issues or anything like that, but I've, I know that I've had nights that I've wished had not happened and I've then had another night like that happen again and thinking, what, what the hell am I doing, you know? And one of the ways that I uh, have addressed this is just like making a statement that I'm just not going to have that many drinks and letting people know and I'm just not interested. And, and I'm not saying that this is going to be the case in all situations at all times, but just for me right now, it's not, it's not anything I'm interested in. <clears throat> I'm, I'm really enjoying my fitness. I'm enjoying my time with the kids. I'm enjoying that family time. 
And, you know, they, they, those two things don't go together. The other thing is like, to be honest, like you don't want to smash your freaking immune system at the moment with the coronavirus doing the rounds, right? Like it's, it's not, it's not going to help you out. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's another example too. So I know you were talking about, you had a party not too long ago, or you had some company and uh, you know, with your family there and your, your kids and everybody and some other friends that were there and somebody was partaking a little bit too much and was kind of the old 20 year version. And all of you were kind of like a little bit older with families. And it was kind of like, Hmm, I don't think we're, we should really invite this person back necessarily. Like it, it there's, always somebody watching, right? And you you don't want that as an example for a healthy culture, a healthy circle, you know? And yeah, it's just kind of like a time and place, you know? So it's yeah. just like, realize where you're going and why you're having a couple drinks and, you know, what yeah. the occasion is. You know, it's time and place. You got you got to respect that. Like if, if that's not you at your best and you're repeatedly doing that, you know, that's, that becomes who you actually are for people. You know, like if that, if that's the side of you that your people get to see and experience, you know, it's, as you just said, like, you're not going to get the re repeat invite and you might not even know that that's not happening, you know, but these people are just dealing with the reality, what they're seeing and they don't, they don't want to participate, you know, and you are potentially missing out on these amazing experiences or great conversations and so on. Yeah. Or you ruin everybody else's time because I know one of my biggest, one of my biggest pet peeves is, you know, I'm a grown man and I work with other grown, grown men and some of them when they drink can't handle themselves when we go out, if we're in a really fun city where we're training or traveling through and I have to go out and babysit you because you can't decide how you're getting out or how you're getting home on your own and be responsible and take care. You're going to ruin everybody else's time because you're about to get thrown out of a bar. You're about to get arrested. You're about to like, whatever, you know? So it's just like, you know, it, it's, it, it takes away everybody's fun around you and you become the burden, not the, not, not the positive. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. So that was me. And, um, Definitely exercise and uh, having strong friendships and good conversations with people and putting it out there has been the way that I've addressed it. And um, yeah, long may it continue. All right. Who's up next? I'll go. I will step forward. So I kind of have two. Uh, one is I'll just cover real quick is workouts. So my, my, my bad habit with working out is I have long days at work and I always intend to work out because I want to. And whether my day lasts three hours or 15, which literally every day it changes, I find myself going, I just want to get home so I can get home to my place. And then, then I'm going to go work out. And I, it, dude, I'm going to be honest. Every time I come home, I, I get home, I take my shoes off, I change into my workout clothes, I sit on my new couch, which is awesome, by the way. And then I just feel myself slowly saying, not today. <laughs> and I just feel like a piece of crap as I'm laying there. And I'm just like, oh, I got to get up and go run. I got to get up and go to the gym. I got to do something. And just the bad habit, but how I've corrected it is I kind of instilled in my brain a little discipline of like, I don't deserve to go home until I work out here. So when I'm on base, I uh, jammed up three different routes to run halfs on the beach, halfs on the, through the woods and then like the road and I change it up. So it's different. And then also just a workout that I use at the base gym and I kind of make myself earn going home regardless if I have a long day or not. And it's really paid dividends. I mean, my run time, I've knocked 45 seconds off my mile and just my athleticism stuff has gone up. I mean, it's just normal working out, but my point is my schedule, I've kind of readdressed my discipline issue with, I need to work out before I go home because then the comforts at home are sometimes outweighing the the need or the desire so, to work out 
And so, Mike, at the moment, are you getting like one a one a day, like one each workday? Yeah, I mean, when I'm when I'm teaching and and going through the course, like I have to go in and do it. I I do it in the morning before we start the course because sometimes I'm not getting done till like two three in the morning, and by that time you're just beat, dead dog tired, you know. And it's like I'm going home, going to sleep because I got to be back at work at eight o'clock. Uh, so that's just that's one. Interesting for me, like I, like what you're saying resonates with me and I've, I've had a, a strong habit of exercise as being a part of my life for pretty much forever. And there are times when my, you know, the enthusiasm drops and at those times I'm like, you just got to trust the process and just keep going. And sometimes you just got to grind through. And every time I've done that at a certain point, the love comes back and the, you know, the, the lifting or the, the running around on the rugby pitch, to start like it starts breeding its own positivity again and the the feeling you have at the end of the exercise that endorphin release and just that connection the feeling of having done something positive is very addictive too like you've doesn't matter what's going on in your life if you've put a workout in that's at least one positive in your day like you you know you've your willpower has been exercised your willpower has defeated your natural inclination to lie on the couch right? yeah that's interesting so i um same thing. And again, I've been working out most of my life and same thing with you, uh, because I travel so much for work, uh, these interruptions in my travel, it, well, these, these, this traveling thing kind of interrupts my, my mojo, if you will, my routines that I have at home. And so I have a hard time getting back up, you know, especially when you're on the road. So what I'll, what I've done is, well, I started doing this a couple of years ago. I, I kind of lie to myself. Like, even though I'm exhausted and I'm tired and I've gone through however many time zones, when I get to the hotel, I just tell myself, you know what, I'm not going to do a real workout. I'm just going to get in and I'll just do the elliptical for five minutes and just see how that feels. You know I mean, just, just a tip, just to see how it feels. <laughs> and then, and then honestly, just like Melon said, you reach a threshold where you're kind of like, okay, your body, it's like, it's awake. It feels better. It feels good. And you're like, okay, you know what? Maybe I'll just do a quick dumbbell workout. It's not going to be crazy. I'm not going to be doing, you know, heavy snatches. I'm just going to, I'll just do like maybe some concentration curls and just bro it out or something. I don't know. I just, the point is I lie to myself, but once the body's ready to go and I know, and I'm like, okay, let's do some serious Metcon. And then, you know, as you're smoking yourself, shout out to Cherry and, uh, and Melon as you're and every Australian out there, but you know, as you're, <laughs> you're done smoking yourself, you, you just, dude, you're, you're elated, man. You're just, you, 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 you beat the system, right? Like you literally beat the system. The poor Australian listeners are hearing you talk about smoking yourself and you're elated <laughs> and you're, you're beating something. It's a whole nother thing down okay. under. Oh my God. He's talking about exercise, everybody. For people from my part of the world. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. So that's and my, so, that's my trick. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that, that that's, you get in, you get in, trust the process. And there's going to be times when you're just churning. And there are times I, like I, I have times where I go to the gym and I'm like, I start and I'm, something's pinging and it's not good. And I'll just be like, it will be a go through the motions workout. And then, but I'll come back and I'll come back and I'll come back. And then soon enough, you know, you're getting some momentum and you're moving in the right direction again. I, I feel it's in the way of like, when you have that attitude of just like, I'm not going to go home, you, you know, and work out like you feel and you let one day slip. It's kind of like taking a brick and putting it on the wall for you to, to you to get there. And then it turns into another day, which is like, I'm putting another brick up and another one. And to, before you know it, it's been a week since like you worked out and it just sneaks up on you with everything else going on in life. But then when you get there and you're in the moment and you feel those endorphins going and you're just like, you, you turn on. And then it's like, it, you're burning and you're like, I want to run more. I want to work out. I want to start pushing myself. And you just feel that drive and that fire burning. It's like, then now you're taking bricks away and you're allowing yourself to expand and, and kind of really get into that moment. So that's kind of how I look at it. When I start feeling lazy is like, I'm doing this to myself. I'm just building a wall between me and where I want to get to. But once you're in the moment, it's just like, I need to take some bricks off. It's kind of how I look at it. A good one. Um, so do you want to throw another one in there, Mark? Yeah. So my second one, and I know everybody's going to agree with this, is uh, my phone usage. So it's it's 100%. always it's always always a problem. So even if I go in and work two hours and we're not really doing too much, 
I still have to be available by, you know, around like four o'clock roughly every afternoon. So I have to check my phone. I have to be on it. But if I'm out with people, if I'm with family, friends, uh, trying to get into an activity, I always find myself constantly picking up my phone and looking at it. And then I just get sucked into, you know, Facebook or something else. And I'm like going and you go down the rabbit hole and it's just like, and then I stop and I'm like, Ugh, I can't do that. I, I got to stop looking. I got to stop looking. I need to live for the moment. I know we talk about it all the time and we're not perfect. Obviously we're literally all here shaking our heads going, yeah, the phone's a problem. So like yesterday, for example, I went climbing for my birthday and I just picked up, you know, I picked it up and I put it in a locker and I locked it. I literally locked it away, didn't have the key on me. And it was just, I don't even want to look at it, you know, for, for a long time. Yeah. I did I, um, part of my MBA, we did a, a Silicon Valley study tour. So in San Francisco in the Bay Area and we visited LinkedIn, Twitter, Salesforce, Google, many, many, many world-beating tech companies very interesting when you speak to these people about their restrictions that they impose on themselves and their family on phone slash device use. Like none of these people let their children have social media accounts or zero because they, they understand these algorithms. Um, all they're doing is maxing screen time on that one app. And that's one of many. And you, you cannot compete your, you know, evolved gorilla brain cannot compete against the cray supercomputer and the billion dollar industry. And they, they have all the top psychologists graduates go there and they're setting these things up to be more and more addictive. Like that, that's the thing. We just had a conversation last night about, about this with our kids, you know, around, and we're, we're putting a practice in meal time, like dinner time, any devices are put in a, put in a box and then there's no more devices the rest of the evening. It's no digital, it's analog, it's shared family time until the lights go out. And it's like, I think all of us need to address this. This is a thing, it's a big thing and it's only gonna get worse at the, the data mining us, the, it's true, all yeah, that there's, stuff. There's a really good uh, uh, show on Netflix actually, it's called The Social Dilemma. I don't know if anybody else has watched that, but it literally uncovers all of that of how, you know, when you get a like on one of your apps and it's just this, very minor, but instant, like, oh, wow, it's, it's satisfaction. And that's driving our whole life of like, if you're having a, a, a shit day and nothing's going right, well, oh, I just got a like on Facebook. And then it's just like, that's your source of happiness. That's your source of whatever. And, you know, I've really, really starting to dig into like, cause I need to break this habit. I need to get into a more healthy habit and be like, okay, I need to find my happiness from other sources that I don't care about if I get a like, or if I get a message or something on there. So trying to retrain myself to not use this device is such a hard task because it's literally around us all the time and everything work-related, you know, your, your group messages at work are all on apps and everybody uses it. So it's like, you can't get rid of it 100%, but trying to mitigate my time with with it while building other practices and disciplines is what i'm going towards so climbing where i'm outside i don't need, i don't need my i don't need my phone you know going to work out i know i listen to music all the time well maybe i maybe i don't need to listen to music while i'm out there and doing it you know and then exactly what you did melon is when i have friends or family over it's like yeah, maybe get a box and be like, hey, everybody's phone goes into here and we're going to play a game. We're going to hang out, have good conversations like this. Uh, and, and that's great. You know, I like the I like the game when you go out to eat. People all put their phone on the middle of the table and whoever touches their phone has to pay for the meals. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, OK. All right. Add a little add a little weight to it. Got it. I like I like last last uh, episode of Raph talking about the uh, slightly younger individual who thought he could do two things at once, you know, with the phone in one hand and the conversation with another. And it just, we all know when we're on the other end of that, you know, hundred percent that person's not giving you their attention. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, that struggle is real about the phone. And right now, my wife and I, we're kind of trying to find a, a we're trying to strike a balance with our son Soren because uh, a lot of the cartoons that he watches, obviously they're in Spanish and they're also, Edu they're educational. I mean, he's learning the alphabet. He knows numbers now. Um, and so it's kind of like how, 
what's the perfect balance, you know, because we want them to get the educational benefit of it, but we don't want it to become an addiction. And it's, you can tell that the minute he sees one of us pull our phone out, he doesn't always do it, but I'd say it's 50, 50. He, as soon as he sees it, he comes over to you and he's like, oh, cause he's thinking games, right? He's thinking he loves doing these little uh, games on these apps that we have on our phones. So it, I'm aware of it, but that we're still trying to kind of figure out the balance because again, he's gained, cause he's a little sponge. He's gaining so much from it. Um, so it's, it's at all levels. It's the struggle is real. Yeah. So how about you, Raph? What were your, uh, what's your habit that you want to bring up? So I, I kind of like Mike, man, I, I thought about two, I thought a present and then I, a past one. So the, I don't want to piggyback off Mike, but it, it's kind of along those lines. My present one has been my consistent bad habit that I'm always struggling to fight is the, the phone, uh, just trying to minimize the usage of it, you know, use it when I have to, because there's a lot of utility behind it, right? I mean, these phones are designed and they, they're completely integrated into your life. So I've accepted that, you know, there's calendars, it's a phone, it's, you can do research on it, blah, blah, blah. And I don't want to not maximize or optimize their, their capabilities, but it's gotten to the point where I found myself constantly, like, if there's not, if there's a blank space of time in my day, what, what, what was I doing? I had that stupid phone in my hand and it, it becomes a rabbit hole because in the beginning, it's maybe innocent. You know, you're just on Instagram, like looking at what, like airplanes before you know it, you know, it's a chick showing her butt with a Pomeranian. You're like, Oh yeah, I like that. And then, it, you know, it, it just, it, you do, man, it's ridiculous. And you're just, and I'm not hating on these people for, cause I'm sure they're getting millions of likes and all these followers and man, do you, but I don't want to be part of that, that part of society. Right. Because there's, that's nothing productive comes out of that. And again, I'm not knocking it. They've, they've cracked the egg. They're making a living off of it. Good for them. I'm not knocking it, but I don't want to add fuel to that fire. Right. That's not who I am. I don't identify at that. Go ahead. So what, what, what systems are you using or what processes are you using there, Raf? So what's kind of helped me curb it a little bit is one, I think having a son has really helped me because whenever he's in the room, it forces, like I want to interact with him. So I immediately, it, it just kind of helps me forget that I even have a phone or any of these other devices. Um, and I just want to, I want to play with him. Same thing with my wife, because I travel so much for work when I'm home, we really try to make an effort, especially during the day to try to engage with one another, because obviously in the, in the, in the past, it's been a problem, you know, where we were, we had become individuals and we were kind of doing our own thing and, uh, had some really, really difficult conversations about that. Um, and so we realized that we had to make a consensus, a con like a consensual effort together to kind of engage one another in the room. <laughs> Speaking of the devil, you guys can probably hear Soren coming in. I'm in his room, by the way, trying to find some peace. But uh, <laughs> Have you guys come up with like certain times of the day or anything like that, Raf? Is there, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to get like a bit concrete. For it's, the, yeah, the exactly. So it, it's not a specific time of the day. It's mostly um, we try to be conscious of the time that you're at. so it can be any time of the day, but we try to limit it to a couple hours in the day, right? So, um, whenever I'm on the computer, I made it a habit of looking at my watch and I and I literally start running the timer and I give myself 30 minutes, whatever I'm doing. So that way I don't start kind of going from whatever I started that again, I don't I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, right? Um, so I just I know that I have 30 minutes, I need to knock out whatever I have, and then I want to get back to reality. Cause there's like virtual reality, which isn't real. And then there's reality, reality. There's what I need to go chop. There's things I need to go get done. Like, and I can't do that through an app. Yeah. Well, I've been going with the, from dinner time onwards as a thing. And, and I reckon that that really helps. It also allows your brain to unwind properly and you're not dousing your retina with that bright light that wakes you up. And I've also listened to some serious, some pretty serious thinkers like Harris and uh, Peterson talk about, that quick stimulation, the whole, like, I don't want to be bored ever prevents a lot of really deep thinking from occurring that you don't get into deep thinking when you're continually able to just click on an app or scroll a feed or read something else or have a video play that avoiding boredom can really help can actually prevent people from really getting some deep thinking done. Yep. That's one thing my mom literally yells at me for when I, when I get to the weekend, she's like, what are your plans for this weekend? I'm like, well, I have this, I have that, whatever. She's like, do you ever take a day off? She's like, <laughs> are you bored today? And I'm like, 
yeah, I kind of am. She's like, good. Like, relax. Take the time. Just chill. Just relax. Like, you're not, you're go, go, go. You work long days. She's like, there's nothing wrong with sitting in a quiet room. There's nothing wrong. And I'm like. Good for her. That's advice we all need right now. Yeah. You know, man, moms are just come down and kick you in the ass when you need it. But she's absolutely right. And, you know, one thing I've really looked at it is once I get stuck in the rabbit hole, you know, Raph said, you know, 30 minutes, you're like, oh man, where did I go? You have that instant gratification of seeing stuff. But then if once you put your phone down, you're like, what did I just do? Like you have that pop in your conscience. Like, what did I just do? I just wasted my time. I didn't learn one thing when I could have read a chapter out of a book. You know, I, I, I tried reading some more. Like, so I have my, my daily devotional I read and that tender warrior, I still go back and, and, and I read through it. But I have those easily accessible, just like my phone. So I don't have it in the other room on my bookshelf. I leave them out on my table. I leave them out next to the couch. So when I'm sitting there, I can pick that up just as easily as I pick up my phone. And then when I'm done, I'm like, man, I actually learned something, you know, and, and it feels better. There's a there's a mantra that, I, that I've been using probably in the last six months, and it's discipline or, or disappointment, right? When you make your decisions, when you make your choices, um, it's, it, you're always going to, it's, it's a battle of the two. Either you choose discipline and you take, you, you accomplish things, you get productive, you, you do things, or it's disappointment. Like you said, you put that phone down and you realize you've wasted an hour just looking at, you know, whatever, Pomeranians and puppies with sunsets in the background. Yeah. Which again, it's, I mean, it's, they're wonderful to look at. <laughs> they're absolutely just a waste of time. <laughs> and then if I could just wrap it up, because I know uh, people have things to do. My second one is I, that I chose one from the past and I've alluded to it in the past before. And it was uh, pornography. You know, historically growing up, I never porn was never a big thing with me. I mean, honestly, it wasn't until my early 20s that I probably started kind of. And it's about the time I think I found the Internet, maybe a couple years into it. I started, um, you know, I, I would watch it from here or there. It was it was never something I went out of my way to go purchase or get us like just nothing like that and uh it was the year that my wife and i really started struggling in our marriage in 2012 after that long deployment in afghanistan that i found myself going like what became kind of a small little habit quickly i mean and i mean quickly became an addiction and i didn't recognize it right away and a lot of marital problems came from it and you know that's a whole episode in itself so i'm not gonna get into it but it really killed our intimacy. It, it, uh, it also, it, it scarred me because I started kind of, um, and I, I did this, I found this out later by doing some research, but basically I was changing the way um, my brain was thinking about sex and about uh, I was, the way I was looking at my wife, the way I was looking at other women, which was, you know, which was just not right. But it, this happens slowly. The process happens slowly and it's happening subconsciously. And you don't really realize it. And it's really, really dangerous. And the reason I'm very open about it, because again, it's not something easy for me to talk about is because I know that I'm not alone. And I know that there's millions of men and probably even some women that are kind of going through this or have gone through this. Right. So if you're in a committed relationship, look, I'm not, we're all adults do whatever. I mean, maybe you and your partner like watching a movie and maybe that's how you kind of start your, your little your little uh, sessions. And that's fine. I trust me, I, I've done that as well. But if you're do if you're watching it by yourself, if you find yourself in a room with a closed door and your partner is in the other room, there's a there's a lot more going on. And I think you need to be really, really aware of that. Um and it's I, I don't know what the numbers are, but I know it's it's uh, been part of destroying a lot of marriages, especially a lot of my military friends and uh, deployed uh, couples. So again, it uh Mike, yeah, I'm tracking. I'm just, but I was just going to say the, just know that it can be a tool in your relationship, but it can quickly slide into an addiction and that's where it gets really dangerous. So, um, you know, we're all adults, but I'm telling you, I've had my own bouts of it and it, and it damn near ended my marriage, ended my marriage. So go ahead, Mike. Yeah. So kind of, kind of wrap this, this episode up. And it could be with pornography, it could be with a cell phone, it could be looking at Instagram, you know, all these things that we've kind of talked about. There's such a expectation with from all of this that there could be, you know, this is what this is supposed to be like. So looking on looking on your phone at Facebook, at Instagram, you're looking at everybody else's life. And we've talked about it before. And, and again, it is white noise. It's more than likely fake. 
Like nobody's that happy all the time. If you look at a person's profile and everything, it's always smiles then with, with the chicks with the damn knee popped out. Like every girl poses like that. And it's just like, okay, everybody smile and act like you're happy. How many times are there genuine smiles and, and you know happiness going on? Like that's what a duck, what yeah, a duck that, mouth. Yeah, the duck lips and all that crap, you know. But my point is I know, but you know what though? But when she, she's holding a Pomeranian and there's a sunset in the background, I mean, I'm just a sucker for that. <laughs> there it is. My point is to be realistic and be happy with what you like and appreciate. Because more than likely, the things that you're always being shown, whether it be on TV, social media, porn, uh, whatever it is, is fake. It's literally built and trained to attract, right? So porn is directed. It is directed, hey, the, the the natural human has this in their body. So how do we make this scene perfect? to attract you and get the release that you're looking for. Same with Instagram and all the, and Facebook and all this stuff. Everything is designed on there to be fake. Then you find yourself comparing what you have in your life to others. And you're like, oh my God, my life sucks because I don't have a million dollars. I don't have a, a G6 airplane. I don't have a porn star wife, you know, all, all this kind of things. And it ruins and degrades what you truly have that are great things. And it, and it messes up your reality, exactly what Raph is saying. Uh, so really take a look at what can be defined as fake and put it in that, in that box and then look at things that are real and, and are, that really mean the most. And, and that's usually happiness within. What truly makes you happy on the inside, not what somebody else wants you to believe is real happiness, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it, President, and, and just so to, President Roosevelt yeah, just, talked about it. There was that quote from President Roosevelt: "Comparison is the thief of joy." Right, and ooh, I like that. Somehow, with all but, of these devices in our hands that got, got, give us an access into a fake world that's been presented to us that wants us to get yeah, that comparison. Right. And I and I think it's important for me to finish up the one bit that I was talking about, and just for anyone who might be struggling with it, I, the most effective thing that I found. For me to combat it because i'm telling you, it's insidious and it was really i was it was a real fight it was a real fight for me I, i'm i don't want to make it light because it wasn't i had some really dark times with this um it was a, it turned into real addiction but one of it is accountability so if you can't be accountable to yourself then have have a good friend i actually uh i have a good buddy actually a good buddy of mike and i named jimmy and he held me accountable and i held him accountable because he had some struggles as well um, so it's good to find a, a person, whether it's your wife or your husband or whoever that holds you accountable. Also, if you do enough research about the industry, you'll realize that most of those girls, those women, really they're girls, if you think about it, uh, young women, they don't last more than a year in the industry. Think about that. So they're they're put through some really hard, uh, even though, anyways, you can do the research. It's it's just dark. They they essentially kind of get abused and not maybe not physical but it's more like financially they, they get promised one thing they're delivered another and they're they're just it's just it's this it's this nasty industry and if you start seeing past the veil i mean it should be enough to just kind of make to sober you up and realize like yeah i don't want to i don't want to help i don't want to put fuel in that fire right that's not the fight i i want to help push along so anyways there's there's tons of websites that help you kind of uh, beat that habit because it is it's one that's uh, pretty rampant globally and it's destroying relationships it's it's also as a man you know it's not about just um self-pleasurement man it's about making love it's about, about being with your partner it's it's you know because you're, you're gonna cheapen it if that's all you're doing is just doing like a three-minute um self type thing but anyways again that could be a whole new other episode but um the struggle is real man I, i've been there well well thanks very much for sharing that is um a very personal thing to share. It's interesting for all, all of these things that we've, we've brought up here, that the element that makes a habit a bad habit is that there's, you don't like yourself, you're not at your best. There's some sense of disappointment in yourself and yet you do it again. And it could be the, the social media use, it could be a substance, it could be porn. Uh, all three of us had our phone use definitely as a thing. It's very interesting. And I, I'd say that Rafa's really given a good key there at the end that you can do some research on that individual thing 
just recognize that you, you don't have to have these things recur in your life. You can control them. You might need to set up a process. You've heard us talk there about uh, my committing to and trusting the process and knowing that a positive physiological response will come and then that gets him back into his exercise and committing that he'll do something uh, and then the results following. Uh, some structure around setting up phone-free time, Raph running his 30-minute timer, that nice little mantra of discipline or disappointment. So I'd, I'd encourage everyone to research the thing for you and set up a process and trust the process and the results will come. And, uh, you know, if you're finding yourself, you know, a few weeks later and not having these negative feelings, good, you, you know, really reward yourself for that and uh, get after it. So yeah. any, any yeah, last so, and- points there, guys? Yeah, accountability is key. My wife and I are doing like a 30 day without sugar and we're trying to hold each other accountable to that. Uh, and I'm going to throw her under the bus. I was gone for a week. I came back and she had gummy bears in the pantry. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, but she's like fit. It. She can hide it. She's pretty damn fit. So that's the unfortunate. See, I eat that stuff and I'll have a tire by tomorrow. Shout out to Orbs. Ask her if, yeah, what her final flavor is. I, I'd like to send her some red ones. <laughs> good accountability like honestly setting up an accountability holder who maybe a close friend or maybe a a family member or maybe a colleague you could set up an accountability with someone and that's very powerful raffi endorse it 100 so guys episode 22 bad habits how to uh break them or stop them hey and how you've had success please let us know where you've had some success uh we replied all the emails we get we really appreciate all the feedback and uh, if you're enjoying the podcast and getting something out of it, we really ask you to consider leaving a review. It does really help the algorithm that uh, is Apple Podcasts and all the other main sites, keeping us uh, near the top and keeping us relevant. We really appreciate it. So from all of us to all of you, until next time, stay focused and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.